Hey, how you doing? Hi. Hi. How are you? Wonderful. Good to see you. Good to see you too. I love the hair. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 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 Well, yeah. good evening. Good evening. And thank you so, so much. I had a chance to talk to Pastor Victor earlier. I was just so grateful for the fact that I get an opportunity to sit across the both of you um, and just engage in a very much needed conversation. So thank you so much for honoring um, my invitation. First of all, I just say hi to everyone that's joining us. Welcome. I'm excited for the conversation that we're going to have tonight. And I trust that I, my prayer is that by the end of this conversation, we'll walk away with a better understanding of what God has called us, you know, to be as believers in marriage. So before we even go ahead, I know many of you probably don't know um, Pastor Victor and his beautiful wife, Dr. Ambie, I'm blessed. Um, so if you all could just introduce yourselves. Pastor Victor, I tried to, to, you know, practice. And I'm like, you know what? Let me not even embarrass myself. Let me not embarrass our whole lineage. So I'll just, you know, let Pastor Victor and Dr. Ambie just do it. So if you want to just quickly introduce yourselves, tell us how long you have been married. I've been stalking you a little bit, so I kind of know how long you've been married. But if you oh, okay. share with everybody else how long you've been married and just something interesting about the both of you. Sure. Um, so my name is Ambie Ramblest, and um, we we actually knew each other since we were three and four years old. Yeah. And our parents currently still work together. So that's mm -hmm. over 40 years of relationship. Wow. Um, in ministry and have been for the past 30, 40 years. More, yeah. Okay. Almost, yeah, I am. So... Um, we've known each other for that many years. Um, we were married in 2008, so we've been married for about 12 years. And um, thank you. <laughs> um, and yeah, something interesting about us is... I can say, um, okay. so when we knew each other, when we were younger, she did not like me for anything. I think at, that's usually the story, though. Like, we play right. like we're not interested, we don't want it, and then we at end all. up. <laughs> I remember the day I looked at the house, like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know where I was standing. I know where she was standing. I know what she was wearing. That was the day the, the brother sister thing changed. I was like, don't call me your brother. I'm not your brother. No more. Your bro. We are not siblings. Just erase that from your mind. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been wonderful, absolutely, absolutely, for 12 years now. It's awesome. Good. Awesome. Mm. Yeah, but that is so exciting. I get so excited when I'm able to sit across some couples who've been married for a long time and have been doing marriage for a long time and just the journey of marriage. So <clears throat> the topic that we're talking about tonight is, is marriage on trial. And mm. I just want to kind of give a little bit of back history as to why that conversation came about. So Clubhouse. It's the new rave. It's what everybody's doing. And, you know, just a little background. I have my master's in marriage and family therapy. And I mm -hmm. went to grad school because I, the Lord laid it so heavy on my heart because I wanted to make a difference in marriages. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, I did not know that the Lord was going to call us to do all of this. I, I had no clue. Like, if you had told me this is what I'd be doing today, I'd be like, no, I thought I was going to have a practice practicing in Ghana. I had a whole plan. This wasn't part of it. So I get pulled into a lot of rooms where they're talking about marriage. And every time I leave those rooms, my heart is broken. Like, it's literally shattered. Because I'm like, this cannot be what God has called marriage to be. It, it cannot be. You know, situations where people are telling literally horror stories 
of what has happened in their marriage. And don't get me wrong, my husband and I, by the grace of God, would have been married for seven years this July. And we've had our periods and seasons of really ugly things happen. But by the grace of God, we moved beyond that. And again, I don't hear anything positive about marriage. It's like Christian marriage especially is on trial. I'm being called into rooms to defend why people should remain married when they do not see a good example of what God has called Christian marriage to be. So I'm like, this is a great topic and a great dialogue to have to really get back to the fundamental basics and understanding what has God called marriage to be. That's good. That's good. Yes, I was That's good. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead, please. Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. Um, oof. <laughs> I think that's, that's like a very broad subject. I think, first of all, the fact that we are the ones that are having this conversation is humbling because, I don't, yeah, I would not say we have the perfect marriage. And I'll say why. I think one of the biggest things about marriage is that we forget that this is about two human beings mm. that are getting... When we say Christian marriage, I think people think sometimes it, ex it excuses the humanity of it. You're still two human beings. A Christian marriage is not two Christians getting married. It's mm. a marriage built on Christ. That's a Christian marriage. So two Christians can end up not having a Christian marriage if mm. the marriage is built on Christ. So the, it's the building on Christ that makes it a, a Christian marriage. That's why sometimes you see people who are not Christians but adopt biblical values and Christian values and have stronger marriages than people who are actually Christians. Because if you don't know how much help you need, you don't know how much help to ask for. Mm. Or how much help you need. You don't know where, what the challenges are going to look like. You're not really being realistic about the challenges and how much forgiveness you're going to have to, to have to stay in the relationship. So I think for me, why, like in your words, to say it's on trial is because we have a very poor estimate of one, our humanity mm -hmm. and the amount of work it's going to take to stay married. Mm. I think, yeah. That's a very good point. I, and I love how you put it's a marriage that is founded on Christ. And that most times I think because people think because I'm a Christian, he's a Christian. When we get into marriage, it should just work. It should just flow. The fact that our faith is, you know, a part of who we are, it should just work. And I think that's a, that's a very profound statement that you just made in regards to that. But even looking beyond that, right? Is it possible that the generation that we live in has also seen a very skewed ideology of marriage, right? So even outside of the fact that, you know, it's two humans coming together, we're gonna have the rifts of the personalities, right? The I loved always the Bible says, and two shall become one. The becoming is a refinement and a process that does not happen overnight. Like you met this person, I mean, you guys knew each other since three, right? But let's say for some of us who my husband and I met when he was 26, I was 25. He's been who he's been since he, he was one and now he's 26. He mm -hmm. has foundations and cultures and beliefs that are, are part of who he is. And it's the same with me. So now for us to get married and have these personalities coming together, it's the becoming. But I also think that there's a, we live in a generation where there's this ideology that marriage is meant to make you happy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That yes. <laughs> marriage is meant to make you happy. And I'm so yeah. curious what your thoughts on that ideology is. Um, 
And if it's if it's, it's realistic, can I say, oh, I want to be happy. And if I'm not happy, then I don't need to be married anymore. Yeah, that's good. That, that's a really good. That's really good. <laughs> I, I, I do not think that the way God intended for marriage to be is for the person to be your all in all. Mm -hmm. Your all in all is the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Person is a reflection of Jesus Christ to you. And I think that sometimes when we look at marriage, I think we downplay our family of origin issues. And so what really happens when you get married is, is you assume that your family of origin issues gets turned off as soon as you say, I do. Mm. But the reality of that is that it gets turned up as soon as you say, I do, because here is your personal person Mm. That is not reflecting all your family of origin issues and saying, hey, what you saw when you were growing up, the way you process, how you are approaching this situation actually isn't right. Mm. And then when we're confronted with it, we now say, well, I'm not happy in the marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of times I think our journey, it's been both a you and I work, but it's all been a heavy individual, individual work. I need to get okay with Ambie. Mm -hmm. I need to get okay with the way my family raised me. I need mm -hmm. to get okay with how I process, how I think. And at the same time, I need to get okay with how he thinks. Mm -hmm. He processes what his worldview is like. Um, I tell people, I, said it, I say in marriage, you have moments of happiness, mm -hmm. but striving for is a foundation and continuous flow of joy. Mm. And so sometimes in, in, in relationship, you're thinking, well, let me just get to that peak. We're looking for that high. Like we've made marriage a drug of choice. Ah, let me get to that high. This Can I get a prescription? Like that's what everybody is on. Right. Let me, let me, now we've made the man or the woman our object of affection, our object of happiness. And that's, idolatry yeah mm. and so idolized marriage and then we're disappointed when the institution of marriage itself is no longer meeting up to our expectations when god was like well i'm the one you should worship mm. place this person beside you to reflect me mm. and so yeah it's i do you said something so profound it is crises because we have failed to understand that marriage mm is not the barometer of our happiness. Yeah. It's our relationship with Christ and our peace with ourselves. If mm. I, 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 very right. I, if, if marriage does anything, it just amplifies and multiplies what's in there. That's all it does. Like it doesn't, you don't change. You don't become something new. Um, you just go from one to 10 in whatever yeah. you are. There's a little bit of selfishness there selfishness there your selfishness goes from one to ten if there's mm. a little bit carelessness there your carelessness goes from one to ten so it doesn't um, make you happy if you're not already happy it will amplify the happiness if you are happy self-content self you're good like you're content with god then it will amplify it because you present that so what you say it's i couldn't yeah it's just like a, a prescription 
like the it's like a prepare inscription that we write ourselves now because we're very s selfish. Yeah. We're very self, including me and every other person I know. We're very selfish. Yeah. So everything we do is to gratify that um, self. self. I want to be this. I like you said. I want to be happy. I want mm -hmm. to always. I, I I so I go seeking out for somebody that I can. Um, customize i want to say customize take them as they are then make them what they can be to satisfy me so yeah that and that will never happen so it's almost like yeah it's, I, I i feel like right now you're like picking at who i was like the first few years of marriage you're like all right this is, all right i think he had a you guys were like they're watching as we evolve but yes 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 and dr amber you said something so profound and i think most times we confuse joy with happiness so if you could just kind of shed some light on that really quickly in terms of what is the difference between joy and happiness? Sure. So happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is based on something or, or an event that has just happened to increase your, what, your serotonin level. It's a, it's a hormonal response mm. that's happened to, happening to you. But joy doesn't have to be built on circumstance. Joy is an understanding of who you are in Christ and a reliance on that understanding that mm. what, what may come, it does not change. No. So I become steady. There's a steady joy. So things may not be going great in my life, but I'm steady in joy. Why? I understand who I am in Christ. I understand that what I am going through is temporary. Mm. I understand life happens mm. and that 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 life is happening but there is a steadiness that happens when you realize you know what my reliance is not on myself mm. because my sufficiency is not in and of myself yeah. of christ and so when you understand that basic level of hey i can't just be relying on what comes and goes i can't be relying on my boot swings mm -hmm. i can't be relying on um, what, and I'm gonna need you to stop reading me, please. Like just like a little bit. Like I need to not feel so like offended. <laughs> what he says, what he didn't say. I can't rely on whether I got a gift or didn't get a gift. I can't rely on whether we went out to dinner or didn't go out to dinner, or if he picked up his clothes from the floor or washed or back. I can't rely on that. That's circumstantial. <laughs> yeah, um, and so, <laughs> if I live in, if if we live in the circumstances of happiness we are constantly on a roller coaster mm. and that is exhausting you're, 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 you're always reacting, reacting. Yeah. so yes. happiness is a reaction and, and joy, joy is an action is a, a preemptive action I happiness like you react oh you yeah. do something oh you don't do something i don't have but joy is joy if, the bible says joy is strength yes so that mm. means think of sometimes we don't get what it means joy strength means when god says joy of the lord is your strength we miss what it means because it means there are some things you're going to have to bear some things that are heavy yes. that a burden so joy gives you the strength to bear the times that are not nice yeah mm. in, the, in the times that are not nice that's the the true metal of your joy is step because it becomes strength happiness is not strength no. happiness mm -hmm. is, is a, yeah, absolutely I love that. It's funny because I read a book. I don't know if you all, um, oh my gosh, um, Gary Thomas wrote a book um, called Sacred Marriage. And oh. it shifted my thinking. It's a, good, it's a good book. And it talks about how 
marriage was not meant to make you happy. Marriage was meant to make you holy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about it. How many <laughs> want to hear that? Let me just talk about my generation. Like, we don't want to, what? Holy what? Like, I want to have a marriage that I am happy. Like, I want to be happy all the time. If you don't do this, if you don't do this, you don't do this. And when I read that book, it shifted something in my thinking, like, Lord, maybe these op these things that happen, these seasons that are not happy are opportunities to mm -hmm. for me to reflect and be more like Christ in my marriage or for opportunities for us to be more fine-tuned to become holy as God has called us to be holy. Because if mm -hmm. we think about it, I strongly believe that marriage is a ministry. Like whenever yes. I talk to couples, I always say, you are in the, you are in the ministry of marriage. Mm -hmm. And in this ministry of marriage, what are you going to do that is aligned with what God has called you to do? Come on. That's good. That's good. Right? Uh, and, yeah. Like I said, I, I was so burdened. Like for a whole week, I couldn't go on Clubhouse. I'm like, you know what? I'm being triggered. Because I don't believe this is what God has called marriage to be. Because it's not supposed to be that ugly. It's not supposed to be that bad. It's going to be hard. But I believe that when two Christians who are actually putting God at the center of their marriage are married, they continuously go back to him, you know, to be able to be refined and just kind of shifting a little bit. It's funny. This is coming to mind. But the Lord gave me the word strategy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, strategy what? And it's from the book of Joshua where God had given Joshua the strategy as to how they were going to defeat, they we're going to bring out the walls of Jericho. It's funny, this is coming to mind, but the Lord gave me the word strategy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, strategy what? And it's from the book of Joshua where God had given Joshua the strategy as to how they were going to defeat, they we're going to bring out the walls of Jericho. And I've read that verse so many times. I've preached on that verse so many times. And I'm like, Lord, how does this apply to marriages? And he was like, because, the, because marriage is a ministry and I am the person who's the head of that ministry, I give strategy for marriage. Mm -hmm. And that every marriage needs to have a strategy by going to God for direction as to what they're supposed to do, you know? So I, I guess my next question in regards to just strategy and how to do that is in regards to, just going back a little bit, Dr. Amber, you said something about family right? And how it molds who we are and all that. I'm from Ghana, West Africa. I know you guys are from Nigeria. And you know us culturally, let me just speak for myself, there are certain <laughs> things that just have to be. Whether you like it, you don't like it, it is what it is. So let's say you get married. How much of our cultural selves are we allowed to keep, right? Mm. As believers, do we marry the way culture or do we marry as Christians, but try to merge our cultures into both? Hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, whether we like it or not, our family of origin plays a factor, even as a believer. The way we process our worship, the worship mm. listen to sometimes, got a little bit of a beat to it. There's a little bit of a, got a, stop, stop. <laughs> yeah, that's just, um, but when, comes to marriage a kingdom culture mm. have to speak louder than our family of origin than our culture so what do i mean by that when it comes to an opportunity to love my husband to serve my husband to do all those things yes as wives and wives of you know the african diaspora we're trying to serve we're trying to do all 
things, but it's the heart in which I'm doing those things. So mm -hmm. although my culture says, this is who you are and this is what you're supposed to be, the kingdom culture realized my heart to Christ and I'm serving him, not because it's the right thing to do culturally, but I am serving him because this is how Christ would love me to serve my husband. Mm. And it shifts it. So I think that when we're looking at our culture, family of origin, and looking at how Christ designed marriage to be, he's asking for us to consider for just a split second his culture of marriage. His culture of marriage, he outline, outlines throughout the Gospels. I'm doing those things. So mm. although my culture says this is who you are and this is what you're supposed to be the kingdom culture realized my heart to christ and i'm serving him not because it's the right thing to do culturally but i am serving him because this is how christ would love me to serve my husband mm. and it shifts it so i think that when we're looking at our culture family of origin and looking at how Christ designed marriage to be, he's asking for us to consider for just a split second, his culture of marriage, his culture of marriage. He outline, outlines throughout the gospels. His culture of marriage is seen in Corinthians. His culture of marriage is expressed. He expresses it even to his disciples, mm. the, the loving, the speaking into, the life-giving way he spoke into his disciples, he expressed that. And so if I concentrate on how Christ loves, it supersedes my natural culture. Now, I honor my husband with the food that I cook. I know he's going to like some soup and, you know, pounded yam or something. And that's just a natural part but it's my heart. Mm. Am I, it's because I was told or trained to do this, but am I, or am I doing this because this is what Christ would like me to do? And mm. it's a different, and it's a conscientiousness, placing your heart, it's your heart posture versus your mind posture. Culture is mind, but kingdom is your heart. Mm. I just want to like take notes and like copyright you guys on it. <laughs> <laughs> This is just so amazing. I, 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 I definitely love that point. I definitely do. I don't know if you're going to say something, um, Pastor Victor. Uh, I think she said, she said it, though. I think, I think what, what forms um, be your, your concept or your, your, your context for marriage is what kind of being you think you are. Are you, like, there are three, there are three circles in my, in my, um, from my point of view that make us who we are. We are spiritual beings, we are cultural beings, and then we are emotional beings. The, the difficulty is finding out where the root of the institution comes from. Mm. Um, let, me, let me explain. If marriage has a spiritual root, which it does, the worst thing you can do is play that game or survive in that institution from a cultural context. It was not designed to be rooted in a cultural context. So if you go on a purely cultural context or a purely emotional, the way I feel, oh, it makes me feel this. If it sits there and it sits in that and forms its roots in that circle, it's going to be dysfunctional because it was created to be rooted as a spiritual institution. Mm. So I, 
the biggest thing is to realize where is this supposed to be rooted? Who, what's the origin of this? If this is supposed to be spiritual, then I better be spiritual. You know what I'm trying to say? Like it better be something that is like you said, your, my pastor will always say that my uh, uh, cultural um, context is always subculture to the kingdom culture, mm. uh, culture, culture, family of origin. Now, the, the difficulty is this. Even though it is subculture to the kingdom, we are still human beings. Like I said in the very beginning, we play down the extent of humanity that comes into play in marriage. Your family of origin, just like tools, very good. You're, you're supposed to nail this piece of food to this piece of food. Awesome. Or we know what we are supposed to do. You're supposed to forgive. You're supposed to do all these nice things. But then somebody gives you a spoon to nail, to drive the nail into the wood. Mm. That's your family yeah, of origin. That's good. The, the tool you're using, if it's dysfunctional, no matter how hard you hit, it's not going to work until you take the time to work on what tool, what tool am I bringing into this marriage? It's mm. my tool. Is my tool healthy? Is it competent enough to be in a marriage? There's some people that are married. Like for me, the very first part, I didn't went counseling. The, we went to what we went to counseling for. And what Pastor Victor, I'm gonna stop, right stop you right there. I'm gonna stop you right there. Thank you for saying the word counseling as a pastor. God <laughs> bless you. May He bless you longer than even you were expecting. Go ahead. Yeah. So when counseling, the thing that we went to counseling for. It's not why we are still in counseling. It's a different thing. We found our issues. Yeah. Big issues. Very big. Big issues. And there's something my counselor always say. <laughs> say the things that helped you survive as a child in prison you now. Mm. The things that helped you survive as a child, those skills you developed are is going to stop you now. They push mm. you. They protected yeah. you when you were a child. They are going to imprison you as an adult. Mm. It's like breaking out of that inner child thing. So if you don't understand that that's your tool, the tool you bring to is your, your, your family of origin. You, you will not find the time to walk on that tool and, and, sh and make it sharpen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. Oh my goodness, that's real. That's such a wonderful analogy as to how you're using the wrong tool to put something that you need to put together together. And how do you function even with that? That is awesome. But I'm going to say it again. Bless you for saying therapy. I'm just going <laughs> to put that in because last night we had a conversation about therapy. Oh, hi, everyone that's joining us. We're talking about is marriage on trial? And I hope you guys are having a good time. But back to what I was saying, we had a conversation about just counseling and especially in marriage. And most times people believe that, you know, you can fix it yourself. <laughs> you're Christians, right? There goes that Christian word. You're, you're Christians. You should be able to Pray about Pray this and, and fix it. And even tying it into the, is the marriage on trial? What are your thoughts? I, okay, I think that sometimes because people walk into marriage with these expectations, mm -hmm. that, like you said earlier, I'm a believer, you're a believer. There's no way that we can't fix this. And if we can't fix it, then it means that something's wrong with this marriage, right? So I love what you said about therapy. I don't know if you want to just maybe share a little blurb about what you think about therapy, your thoughts process around that, because I'm a believer in it. And it's the point I went to grad school for it, because I think yeah. it's so important. Yeah, I can, I can share. Uh, the Bible says, even though the Bible says, um, God so loved the one that he gave his only blessing son, that whosoever the shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Awesome. Um, um, but these are the two, the two scriptures that hold it all together. One is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
while we're yet dysfunctional, Christ got married to us. Mm. We're not married to Christ, then in our dysfunction, Jesus marries us. I, I say mm. the old is the, the, the descriptive. The New Testament is prescriptive. Uh, if you look at the Old Testament, there's a prophecy, Hosea, also, that went Hosea. Down, Hosea, that went down, married a prostitute. That's literally... I don't know how he did it. I, I know I love what he did. So that's the literal picture of why we were yet sinners. Why I was mm. yet dysfunctional, she, she married me. Now, mm. this is, what is what God is hoping? Romans chapter 12. Um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind mm -hmm. so that you can prove what is the acceptable will of God. There is mm. this where there's this reason why he brought you together transform your mind even though your spirit is now alive your mind can hinder the the manifestation of your spirit mm. is necessary because i can stop the marriage by myself i victor when they say marriage is bad it's not because the institution is bad it's because the players are bad mm. all of the players are bad so because they are playing, just like playing the game, oh, that t -t 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 team is horrible. When you look at a horrible team, not every player is bad. Maybe just one or two players are just not doing what they're supposed to do. And they're like, yesterday was the Super Bowl. That, some players just did not sh show up. And they lost. The entire team lost. Because some players, you know, not everybody. My home was doing incredible, making throws that you make in games. Like mm -hmm. real life throws, but he did it. But then other players were wrong. So for me, therapy is that me fixing myself yeah. mm. so that I bring my best self to the marriage. That's for us Christians, we we put a lot of things in the realm of prayer. And it is not not everything is in the realm of prayer. Some things God has asked you to renew your mind. Mm. Like and change your mind about what you think. Mm -hmm. Change your mind about independence. Like for, for me. Some things I realized as a, as a child, I went to boarding school at age 11. So from age 11, I was already taking care of myself, or my hygiene, my assignment, preparing for tests by myself. Uh, from age 11 till I left, I never spent three consecutive months at home mm. from 11 till now. Never. So I already very dependent. So now I come into the marriage and I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, independent <laughs> i am great i gotta tell someone i gotta know somewhere i gotta get permission i have to do this yeah <laughs> and then i'm married to her and she's like you don't even tell me what you're thinking my man i'm thinking because i'm not decided no i want to be in it so it took the counselor to be like you cannot keep it to yourself until you decide i'm like but i can't just stay. and it's, it's i'm learning like okay i can't do that oh wow i can't be that so that's the place of therapy is me as a man, we're, we're spirit, soul, and body. That soul part is necessary. How to process mm. emotions, how to, how to think. That's what therapy does for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So, so true. I'm a big proponent. I think, so be, when we were um, getting married, we spent six months in counseling. Mm. And another six months that year continuing counseling. That particular counseling was biblical counseling. Yeah. As we got older, we realized that what was missing with the biblical counseling were the processing of the emotions. Yes, exactly. Was the, the, in being able to release and to acknowledge a child that didn't get certain things 
from her environment growing up and now yes. is expecting that from her spouse. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna need you to stop reading me, Dr. Andy. <laughs> like, this is not even okay. Like you're reading my whole life, but it's okay. <laughs> We're gonna do this, it's okay. <laughs> and so here I am sitting at like 34, 35, 30, and I'm getting older and I'm like, why are the things of my childhood still affecting a marriage that is 12 years deep. Wow. And yes, I received a biblical foundation, but what I did not have in my arsenal was the ability to process my emotional trauma mm. I had carried with me into the marriage that was still very much speaking whenever I showed up in the relationship. Mm. And so here is a little girl searching for Victor to recognize little girl Amby. And then you begin to have this father issues. And you're now looking at your husband as if, well, you're supposed to be my husband, my brother, my father. You're supposed you to be everything. How dare you not be? And, and he's looking at you like you're crazy. Yes. <laughs> Thinking like, I'm, I can't be any and all of those things to you. And so therapy is the sanity. Mm. It brings the sanity to your emotions. Mm. It reconciles, it helps to build a bridge between your biblical foundation <clears throat> and your emotions. Mm. So going without <clears throat> I, I here's what I say. I also think that uh, spouses that think they're doing well, they don't argue. Right. They don't, you know, have any blow ups or whatever the case might be. Everything mm -hmm. is from year to year. Even if you perceive your marriage to be so excellent, counseling is an opportunity to fine tune your marriage. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh, we are big proponents. We are in it. We don't have any specific issues that we go to the counselor for. <laughs> We're sitting there and there's like silence. And all of a sudden, and then all of a, all sudden, of a sudden, something comes, something up. comes up from nowhere. So you felt okay, okay. You ain't saying nothing about it. Like, you all wait till we get here to talk about it. Like, you can't talk about this at home. We'll talk about it here, but it's fine. <laughs> and I think that the thing, especially within African communities, is the exposure of somebody's baggage. Yes. Yeah, we don't do that. We don't well. do vulnerability yeah. very well. Yeah. And so we're thinking, well, this third party is going to expose my secrets what? and is going to lay bare. They're going to judge me. They're going to think all sorts of things about me. And my spouse is betraying me for asking me to go to counseling. Mm. And so there's this betrayal factor that we carry on ourselves because we are all sufficient in how we were raised and it's like no ma'am no sir go it's ahead that way as experience who can be objective and tell you when you have stinking thinking renew your mind mm. and so i i'm a big proponent of counseling huge if i could jump from the seat and like dance <laughs> around a little bit i would but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna respect myself and just and just be very quiet but <laughs> The inner child syndrome. Mm. <clears throat> <clears throat> that inner child syndrome that shows up in your marriage. Because that's the one place that you feel like, okay, there's supposed to be safety so I can be myself. 
And if you've not dealt with that inner child syndrome, especially if it's still hurt, especially if there's still trauma attached to that, it will eat at you. Oh, yes. I try to be very vulnerable and very transparent. And that's one of the things that I try to do with wisdom because you also want to share, but share with wisdom. Mm-hmm. There was a point in time where I started going to therapy by myself because I'm like, I don't want to be married anymore. Mm. Like, I'm, I, 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 I don't want to be married. I can't do this. This is too much. I just cannot. I started therapy thinking, hey, what can I do <laughs> about my marriage? to realizing every single issue that was attached to why I was there was some trauma that I had never healed from. Mm-hmm. Yep. And every time my husband did something, it triggered something yeah. that I had seen growing up or how somebody had treated somebody else. So it was like, well, whoa, you dare not. And then he's arguing, I'm arguing with him over things that he has no idea, like why it's such a big deal. But it's yep. like the wounds are still there. And they're so fresh. And I think for me, my biggest thing was that a lot of people who know me know me to be the strong, independent, have it all figured out type of person. But that facade is what has kept me so like protected. And like now it's like I never, well, till I went to therapy, I never had a chance to process what was truly hurting me. I never had a chance to process what I was, what I walked into marriage with. And I Mm -hmm. met this wonderful guy who one day asked me, like, what baggage are you walking into marriage with that your partner has no idea of? And sometimes you don't even know because you've not given yourself the opportunity to unpack it and really see it for what it is. But I think that is so, so awesome that you said that. But that makes me think about a terminology in terms of stemming from who we are. Because we talked about, um, Pastor Victor talked about how you've been independent by yourself since you were, I believe, 11. And yeah. then you all have also known this for some time. But in just looking at our current generation, I don't know if you've heard this term, um, Dr. Amby, we are not our grandmothers. Hmm. So it's a term that a lot of young women use, like in terms of how back in the day, our grandmothers would stay hmm. no matter what happened, right? Through thick and thin, for better, for worse, they just kind of stuck it out. In terms of who we were as a people, but now in this dispensation, it's like, we're not gonna tolerate anything. So in tying it together, if I am walking into marriage with inner child syndrome that is not healed, and I'm fighting my husband or my wife because of things that were not healed, and I'm saying, well, I'm not gonna tolerate you treating me any type of way, then that's trauma that I've walked into the, into the relationship with and allowing that to happen. But yet to that end, what do we say to that couple or to that young person who is like, you have some issues, sweetie. It's not about you're not your grandmother. You just really need to go and get this figured out. What would you tell that young man or that woman who are married and they just don't want to go because they're like, I don't have any issues and you're not going to treat me like this. I'm not my grandmother's child. I'm going to leave. <laughs> That's a great question. Um First of all, I think that undealt trauma is like shadow boxing. Mm. Perception of the villain or the opponent, but you can't necessarily see the opponent. And the danger with shadow boxing is that it doesn't matter if it's a marital relationship or if it's a friend relationship, that opponent will still always reappear 
in your relationships. So I get it. You are not your grandmother. That's a wonderful, empowering, temporarily empowering statement. However, you will show up every single time to every single relationship. Mm. And if you choose not to deal with the shadow of yourself, the shadow of your wounds, the trauma, you may end this marriage thinking, well, I'm leaving it because he's the issue. He's the problem. And enter into another relationship, whether it's a platonic relationship or whether it's um, a romantic relationship, and you will still show up and you will continue to shadow box. Mm. The importance of coming to grips with what trauma has wreaked in your life and facing it head on. Forget romantic person for a second. For like, one of the things that I had to realize, we were going through counseling for like weeks. And then she said something to me. She said, um, I need you to use your non-dominant hand and begin to write things that happened in your childhood that you did not feel a resolve for. And, mm. you know, foolishness, you know, in my mind, <laughs> And then she said, then use your dominant hand and respond to what your non-dominant hand wrote. The non-dominant hand representing the inner child, the shadow that you are yet to deal with, and the dominant hand now representing you as a full functioning adult. Hmm. I began to do this. I do this from time to time whenever I feel myself triggered. I began to recognize areas of trauma. Memories began to come back to hmm of things that I had either stuffed, hid, um, did not acknowledge. That's good. And as I began to use the right hand, the adult, the understanding, now that I have this understanding and begin to talk to this child on the inside of me, things began to ease. And some mm -hmm. of the that used to come up began to subside. I used to be less when Victor did certain things. Mm. And okay. I can see how this would trigger me. And so I think that whenever you're talking about, well, I'm not going to tolerate this. Well, can you tolerate yourself? Can you tolerate your shadow? Do you mm. continue to deal with what you were, your trauma? Because if that's the case, absolutely, you're not your grandmother, but you're yourself. Mm. And yourself needs some healing. I need to process that myself <laughs> because I, I like I said and I and I, I know from personal experience where I walked into therapy thinking that it was my marriage when it was me it, it was me it was literally me and I was showing up as that child and wanting my at the I would have a, a shouting vest I would then want him to like hold me because that part of me as a child was never there because I was I was raised to be strong I was raised to be you know this independent child and I never had somebody just kind of just hold me when I needed to cry you know so it's like I'm, I'm like mad at him for triggering me but then I want him to be the person to hold me and like fix it right and just really trying to figure that out but I, I think that it's really awesome in terms of that we have 15 minutes I just want to make sure that if anybody has any questions please send them um, ask them. Um, it's been a great conversation so far. And just before I wrap up the whole counseling and therapy piece, we're mm -hmm. having a 
fundraiser. The Lord put it on our heart this year to have a fundraiser. You guys are in counseling. Counseling is extremely expensive, like extremely expensive. Every time they would take that money out of our bank account, I'd be like, whoop. Okay, we figured it out. <laughs> like, literally. And I'd have to convince myself, like, you know what? This is an investment into myself, an investment into the marriage. I can buy a wig for $300 that I can invest into this therapy session. Like, I literally have to tell myself that. So, yeah, the Lord laid it on my heart really heavy to just, you know, we're going to raise $1,000, you know, to gift a couple with premarital counseling. Premarital counseling, I think, is a gift that many people don't think to include on their registry when they're about to get married. And the fact that you said you guys did it for six months, it's like, wow. I know a lot of people who, one week, one day. And I'm like, no. And I tell couples, like, when you're getting married, premarital counseling, put it on your registry. Let people pay for it. That is something you want to have. It's so important. And then for couples who are just in a hard season and just need a therapist. So I'll go like this is $1,000. Um, you can definitely go right to our website, www beyondtheisle.org or you can just go to my bio and click on it and donate no amount is too small from a dollar to whatever you want to give um so make sure that everyone who's following and listening share the link and i hope it's a thousand dollars so but yeah i'm just gonna shift gears really quickly um <laughs> dr rick is like wait what she about to ask me <laughs> it's not gonna be anything you have to self-disclose <laughs> but in regards to just as we wrap up What's the one thing? I'm going to start with you, Dr. Victor. What's the one thing that <laughs> Dr. Amby has taught you about yeah. marriage and about God's grace in marriage? And you can think about it. I'm used to just sitting in silence as couples think and process, so it's okay. <laughs> I think, uh, let me see. As, as I think, you know, when you speak, you do this thing where you go. That's a great question. Meanwhile, <laughs> you're thinking. <laughs> I, I couldn't have asked a better question, you know. <laughs> um, I think one thing that, first of all, many. Things, I'm a very jacked up individual. You have to understand. Mm. I mean, I'm a very, yeah, I'm a very. Eh? We all are. We all are, but I, I know I've, I've come to terms with how jacked up I am. Mm. I have issues. Um, one, I think. Um, how do I, I will not say what's not what she has taught me, but what's being in relationship with her has mm. that's two two very different things because yes, um you don't you're triggered because there's an injury there there's something in in in, in, in medicine called a, a green streak a green stick fracture where you break the bone but you, but you don't know it's broken yet until mm. you use it or somebody does something then you realize it's not like broken broken it's like a green stick a very fresh twig you break it, but it's still there. It's still hanging out. Mm. Most of us have green stick fractures our whole lives. It's not broken. It's not separate. So we think we're whole. For me, what she has, has taught me, one, is I am a mess. Mm. I'm very serious. No, I'm, 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 not, I'm not joking. In relation, I relax. I, I didn't even look, I didn't look at, at, at Dr. Amby's face. And yeah, I'm, that. She was like, wait, what? <laughs> No, I mean, I'm a big man. I'm very serious. I mean, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you why I say that. I mean, mess because it's in relationship. We had a lot of things were magnified that caused me to ask myself certain questions, like how to, 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 to process. I'm the kind of person that doesn't make any promises. When I make the promise, it's gold. You can, you can go to the bank with it. So in my mind, I'm thinking that's a good thing. Then I realize, no, I procrastinate. I'm a procrastinator general like have masters in procrastinating logical procrastination like i'll give you 10 <laughs> reasons 
it cannot happen now. There's really no reason. I just come up with something. So in the relationship, I've realized one, I'm broken. I'm broken. I need to pay attention to how broken I am. I need mm. to pay how dysfunctional I am. We're talking about you're not your grandparents. Yes, you're not. We are not our grandparents because we don't forgive like they forgive. Mm. We don't live open-handed lives like they live. We are not as selfless as they are. Yes, we are not our grandparents. Our grandparents could stay. Again, I'll just make sure. I'm, I'm not saying stay in an abusive... Of course not, yes. When the problem is actually you. They learned how to forgive. They knew how... They knew when somebody was just being silly. They could identify between the person and the, the problem very easily. You're just misbehaving. Doesn't mean I don't love you. So for me in our relationship... What it has taught me is one, you're broken. Pay attention to mm. that and the effects that that's how, like my I I don't like swimming. Mean? I don't like the water. I don't like water. I don't like what I don't like roller coasters. I'm afraid of heights. One thing I had to do was get my son to learn how to swim. Mm. Get my get on roller coasters with her. I will hold the bags. I will hold the phone. I'm not getting on it. You're just not but, getting on. It's not your thing. <laughs> not happy why people do it. But what I told myself was like. I will not let my dysfunction go past me. So mm. it's in marriage, I, I told myself, whatever it is that is my function, that is my mess, I'm going to do my best to make sure it stops here. And make sure that from my son's generation down, because of now my awareness, I'm pushing them to be strong in those things. I'm pushing mm. them to recognize how weak they are. I'm pushing them to recognize how broken they are and how they can fix it. So that's, that's one thing that I've, I've learned and I'm aware of now. Wow. Thank you for that transparency. Thank you. <laughs> Over to you, Dr. Emmy. <laughs> Same question. So um, I think the biggest thing that I have learned in being in a relationship with Victor is forgiveness. Mm. And letting go as quickly as you possibly can the offense. Mm. Um, I, I didn't realize until marriage... Because I was, like you, the silent one who wouldn't necessarily offer up. I'm offended. You're like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. No problem. It's fine. <laughs> right. And you're like boiling on the inside of you. Boiling. And with marriage and with marriage specifically to him, the way he forgives, it's almost like. Stop. How do you do it? I just like, like wait, what? You forgave me that quickly? Like, how? <laughs> and I'm like, are you, is this going to come up? Am I going to deal with this later? Because my I'm so glad you're saying this because I'm like, wait, you forgave me that quickly? Like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. What's the catch? Yes. What is the catch? What is the catch? Yes. I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop. Like, when's it going to drop? Like, it's right. going to drop sometime. Like, sometime it's going to drop. <laughs> Let me know. Let me prepare myself so that, you know, if I need to get into the, you know, defending myself, but he forgives so quickly and so easily that um, it's a challenge to me and it's a reflection of, and it's actually helped my relationship with other people mm. because of how he's forgiven me and how many, I have so a lot of idiosyncrasies. Like I am particular about certain things and it can be annoying, mm. but because he forgives me over and over and over again. Sometimes it's the same issue. And here's the thing, for years, like I'm trying to work on my inner child, but the inner child is stubborn, but he forgives. Ooh. 
And so I'm like, oh boy. I, I feel like I need to say something now because you went and said something really nice. I was trying to be philosophical. Let me tell you what I've learned from her. How to, to process. My, my wife can process out loud in the middle of an argument. We can just go left and talk about something serious. So for me, I keep it all in here. I'll be like, oh, well, now, why I do you guys do that? Why do you do that? Yeah, I don't want to bring with you. I'm not talking about the future. This is the problem. In the middle of like a heated conversation, she'd be like, so about our, our family, we need to plan for the next five years. I don't care about the next five years. The next five years. You know what I mean? I'm thinking. <laughs> so for me, it's that ease with which she can jump out of it and get into something very different. I just realized, you know what? It's just a problem. It's not the person you're dealing with. It's actually the problem. So that's practically speaking. That's, yeah. Yeah. You like, right. <laughs> no, I I honestly enjoyed this conversation so much on so many levels, and I appreciate the transparency. A lot of couples that I speak to often say they wish they had more transparent conversations where they would then not feel like they were the only ones going through a tough season or a hard season. And the fact that you know, just hearing you share transparently what you learned, some of the seasons of your life, I greatly appreciate it. I hope everyone who is watching has learned so much from this conversation. It's been a great, great, great one. Dr. Amy, I'm going to be your new stalker in life. I'm just letting you know. I feel like I'm going to be calling you and um, <laughs> Pastor Victor. I just want you to know, like, your wife is literally my new BFF. Um, just a heads up ahead of time. So, you know, so when I'm calling her, you're like, why is she calling you? Because I'm calling her. Like, that's it. She gets it. <laughs> so, for sure, for sure, for sure. But yeah, thank you all so much. I want—I know we have about six minutes left, but I also want to honor everybody's time and be able to have you all go do other things um, for the evening. My husband couldn't join us today. He's teaching um, Bible studies. That's the craziness of all. That's a whole different conversation about, I think we're going to have that one day. How do you manage when the both of you are so busy in ministry, doing a thousand different things and just balancing each other out as I best can, as possible? I can quickly ask. Yes. One is just... We're struggling with this, so let me, we're not, we're not figuring it out. What's we're the, the same way. Fair enough. Yeah. I think it's the, it's the intentionality. We actually had that conversation. If not on the calendar, exactly. it's not going to happen. Just mm. like that, study, if I look at your husband's calendar, it's there. If date night, if conversations are not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. The calendar is your friend in break. Mm. Like, that's the intentionality of put it in the calendar, we're going to do this on this particular time. Where, when, when, how, where, where we're going to, when, what time we're going to do, how are we going, are you going to the formal, are we going, you have to lay it all out. That's the only way that happens. I that's, agree. I'd be like putting, like writing it down and making sure that we're going to stick to it. Once it's written down, we're not going to change from it. But yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. Just a full transparency, we have two young kids. We have a four-year-old and a three-year-old. And he's teaching Bible studies. I have to be on this. And I'm like, where are we going to take our kids to? Because you would have seen little Gabriella. And you're like, hi, my name is Gabby. <laughs> I just all up in it. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure because we're, we're both very, very active in ministry and in so many different things and just, you know, doing a lot. So I think that's a great advice. I have a calendar of my own, but I don't, we don't put our joint things as a couple. We have like kids stuff on there, but like our stuff as a couple. I think I'm definitely going to take that. And I hope you all who are watching as well, take that. It's a great tool to put in your toolbox and stop using a spoon, but use this tool for that area that you struggle with. So, but thank you so, so much. Um, if we can, I just want to end up in quick prayer. If you just say a quick prayer, especially for marriages, 
um, for couples who are married, going through a hard season, and for those who are about to enter marriage of the Lord, you know, pr protect them and prepare them for the journey ahead. So if that's okay with you, you can just do a quick prayer and then we'll close out. Absolutely. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to just gather, to talk, and to share. We ask God that for each and every person that is listening, regardless of the relationship status, I thank you, Lord God, that you are first and foremost the one that is in charge of their lives. I pray, Lord God, that you are the one that established the institution of marriage, and it is your will, Lord God, it is your will that every marriage succeed. Mm. So, Father, Lord God, that you will provide people with guardrails, with wisdom, with knowledge. I pray, Father, that you will open people's eyes to see the opportunities that are around them to take advantage for their relationship. I pray, Lord God, that even in this season, it's a season mm. of forgiveness. It's a season of letting go, Father, for every ought, every anger, every issue that has been lingering in the lives of your people. I pray, Father, that there will be an immediate release. Father, let the Holy Spirit come in, permeate people's hearts, people's minds. Father, help people to relax in the truth that you have them in the palm of your hand. I pray mm. for every issue that might be in a marriage right now, whether it fi be finances or children or whatever it might be, Father, we ask, Lord God, that you who are the great provider, you who brings things back to our memories, Father, you who is our protector, that you will do your work once again. Mm -hmm. I pray, Lord God, that hope be revived on the inside of our singles, on the inside of those who are still married, on the inside of those who are looking to be married, that there's mm -hmm. hope, godly hope, godly rest father in knowing that you have their best interests at heart thank you lord god thank you lord god for this ministry i pray lord mm -hmm. god that you would it, that you will expand it that the conversation will further and wider i thank you for the books and i thank you for the podcasts and i thank mm -hmm. you the team that is going to surround this ministry let it be effectual and perpetual <laughs> let it be something that brings glory back to you in jesus name. Uh, amen amen Dr. Amby, Dr. Amby, God bless you. Yes, Your prayer was a confirmation to me, and I'll call you about it. But thank you so much, and have a fabulous day.